you have a copy of your scripture, I would invite you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 35. That's where we're going to be heading. Just wanted to, uh, again, take a moment and remind you of tonight. Uh, it's going to be a very special night tonight. We're going to be having a candlelight communion service. Um, we're going to be singing Christmas carols. We're going to be a, a challenge uh, from the Word of God tonight. Get an opportunity to be with your family and just share communion and candlelight time. It's super special if you've never attended that, um, make sure you come tonight. If you have attended, make sure you bring somebody with you. It's going to be a great time as we, uh, as we just share the time together. Don't miss that. It starts at 6 o'clock tonight right here at, uh, at the church. Amen. Well, this morning we are actually in the final installment of our three-part message series entitled The Ghost of Christmas Pasts. And what we're doing is we're talking about and maybe perhaps some of the things that uh, from our past that have followed us, maybe they've haunted us or paralyzed us from living the life that God really wants us to live. And so today's message, I believe, can be, will have a powerful impact on us today um, in a way that could provide some internal healing when it comes to your identity. Because today we're going to talk about this idea of overcoming labels, overcoming labels, um, I want to talk to you first about the power of words. We, we all know that words are powerful, right? They have the power to create. They have the power to heal. They have the power to shape, power to motivate. But there's also a negative side to words as well because they have the power to hurt. They have the power to wound and discourage. And the power to destroy. In fact, there's some, some sayings that go along with, with this thought process, and maybe you've heard them, and uh, some people will say this, well, it's just words. It's only words, right? Or maybe you've heard this phrase, and, and maybe we could probably quote it together, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Whoever wrote that was an idiot. There are many times in my life that I would much rather have somebody come and punch me in the mouth than to say something that they said. Words affect us. Words have the capability to really, really hurt and sting. The Bible talks about this in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. It's on the screen here, I think. There it is. It says this. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in your words. Words have the power to build up or destroy. They can bring death or they can bring life. And the truth is, is sometimes when you hear something spoken over you over and over and over again, we tend to have this idea that it actually is true. Words have this very shaping power in our life. When I grew up, I was told that you're not a very good singer. In fact, let me just back up a little bit. I had people who encouraged me in some ways because I had people who were in my life that were saying, hey, you know, listen, God's got plans for your life. He wants to do something great in you. Just follow him. I had people encourage me that way. But then there were those who said, man, you cannot carry a tune in a bucket. In fact, we encourage you to start singing solos. So low that nobody can hear you, right? And so I've got this thought process of people have spoken these words over me. And I was in college at the time, and somebody asked me, you know, hey, would you be willing to help us with, it was called Senior Class Chapel. Well, in Senior Class Chapel, that meant that 
the senior class actually did the entire chapel. And so there would be somebody that would open the, the service in prayer, somebody would do worship, somebody would introduce the speaker, somebody would preach, those kind of deals. And I thought, well, that's great. I can open in prayer. I can introduce a speaker. I can even preach if they want me to. But I never dreamed. I'm not a music major. I wasn't a music major. I was not even anything. And this guy comes up to me and says, hey, listen, would you leave worship for senior class chapel? Well, I just told him I'd do anything. And I'm like, oh, great. And before I could even think about what I'm saying, I said, yes, I can. And then the days previously leading up to this, I'm getting more and more scared. Why? Because the things that people spoke over me, I was starting to internalize. And they're like, you can't sing, and you're just getting ready to get up in front of a thousand critics who want to just tell you what you've done wrong. And that's my mentality over all of it. And so I started the, the process, and I thought, here's what I can do. I can take the microphone, start the song, and do one of these. If you ever notice me singing, and I'm singing along, and I start to do this, that's because I've either lost my breath or I can't hit that note. <laughs> See, that's the beauty. I've given you my secret, so now anybody can do this, right? And so if you're singing along, and all of a sudden, man, it's just like, whoop, let everybody else join in and sing, Amen. And I thought I could get by with that, but that wasn't the case. And, but God helped me through that. That went fine. That experience went fine. And before I knew it, I was leading worship at churches. God helped me through that because the identity that someone put on me, because they had the, the words had the power to shape my life, but I chose to do something different. We're going to talk about that here in just a minute. But the reality is for some of us, call it what it is, there are many of us, that, and many of us deal with this in different areas of our life, that we actually struggle in the present because of labels that we've picked up in the past. We struggle in this moment because label of maybe something that's wrongfully owned some of the things that's happened to you in the past and somebody said something about you at one time or, or they called you something or they belittled you or they made you feel less. Then, and you, then you uh, should have, and you've actually internalized that label. And maybe you even did uh, something, even years and years ago. Maybe that was part of your past, and, uh, you, but you can't seem to get past the guilt, and, and you can't seem to get past the, 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 the label that people see you as. And you think, man, if people only knew. And internally, you own that action. You connect the identity with something that you have done. Maybe you've heard something about you on the outside and you've started to internalize it on the inside. Now, I don't know what label you may have today. Maybe it's a label that says that you're lazy. And maybe it's a label that says you're an average person. Maybe it's a label that says you're not going to amount to anything. Maybe it was a label that says, man, you're so insecure. Maybe it's a label that says this, oh, you're just a hothead. Maybe it's that you're overly sensitive. Maybe that it's always, you're always bad at relationships. Whatever it is, you've owned that, and some of you might own the idea that, man, that's who you are. Some of you, it's a bigger thing, and it's like this, oh, my family's always dysfunctional. My family put the fun in dysfunctional, right? Um, it, it, 
and, and you're here today and, and you're thinking, man, we're just, we're broken. My family's broken and I'm never going to have, you know, that perfect Christmas that you see on the Hallmark Channel. I'm never going to have that. I'm never going to have that happy Christmas. I'm never going to have things just be the way they're supposed to be. Let me just, I'm, I'm not going to get into political views, but um, Hallmark Channel, but time out. Never going to have meaningful, intimate, deep relationships with people. I'm never going to let that happen. And let's be honest, sometimes we internalize that negative label. But sometimes, can I be honest, there's some truth to it. Sometimes there's truth to it. In other words, if somebody says you're lazy and you start to own that label, you might actually not be the most motivated person that there's ever lived. If you're a hothead, maybe you're the one that loses their temper more than the average person. And maybe there's some truth to the label that you've embraced, but I want you to understand this hope. This is a hopeful sentence right here. And I want you to grab a hold of this. What's true about you now doesn't have to be true about you later. I want you to internalize that. I want you to grab a hold of that, believe that, embrace that. What's true about you now doesn't have to be true about you later. God's power is bigger than your past. His grace is stronger than any label that anybody or any devil would ever try to put upon you. And what's true about you now doesn't have to be true about you later. Some of you have embraced this hurtful negative label and it's paralyzed you, it's held you back, it's kept you from doing the things that, that God has for your life because you've grabbed a hold of that label. If I would have grabbed a hold of that label about not being able to sing, I never would have done what God wanted me to do moving forward. Chances are I might not have even gotten the ministry positions that I was put into because of that. Why? Because I would have internalized that label and it would have kept me from doing what God wanted me to do. But today, I want you to embrace whatever that label is. I want you to have, embrace it. And I want to encourage you today to name it something different. I'm going to talk about what that I mean by that. In just a moment. Actually, I'm going to show you a story from the Old Testament. It's in Genesis chapter 35. It's really a cool story, and actually it's kind of a love story about a guy named Jacob who meets this girl named Rachel. He was taking care of sheep, and he, he saw Rachel, and he's like, ooh, baby. Right? And uh, he, he, he sees her, and man, there's just like this immediate attraction to her. And the Bible says this, because evidently Rachel was very beautiful, and, and she had a, a sister that was named Leah. And it's amazing how the Bible talks about these two sisters. One, it says, it says Rachel was loving and uh, lovely to look at. She was beautiful. She had a lovely figure. And when it talked about her sister, she, it says this, Leah has weak eyes. One translation says this, Leah has no sparkle in her eyes. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> that kind of hurts a little. That's kind of harsh, isn't it? In other words, it says this, Rachel is this knockout. She's beautiful. She's amazing. And I hope Leah has a good personality. <laughs> kind of tough. So Jacob, he's all into Rachel, but not so much the sister. And so he goes to his, her dad Laban and says, hey listen, 
What do I need to do? I want to marry your daughter, Rachel. What do I need to do to get her hand in marriage? He says, here's what you need to do. You need to work with me for seven years. And Jacob says, done. Done. Like, no big deal. Seven years of his life. Done. I'll do it. And at the end of that seven years, the wedding ceremony is getting ready to happen, and Dad does something. He pulls the old switcheroo. And he says, ooh, no, no, no. Leah is, and, and Jacob doesn't know they've got the veil. That's, that was the practice of the day. They, they would veil the face of, of the bride, and, and she came in, and, and he's like, wait a minute. That wasn't the deal. I thought I was getting the formy girl. I didn't know I was getting the personality girl. And the father says this, okay, well, work seven more years for Rachel. And Jacob does it, and not only does he do it, the Bible doesn't talk anywhere in there that he does it, he does it without complaining about it. And so he works 14 years to marry his dream girl. And, and what, what's the thing that every uh, family wants? They want the white picket fence. They want some kids. They want to have a dog. Well, in this scenario, in this situation, the only thing they've got is a dog. Because they're kind of nomadic. They're kinda, they don't have any place they've settled down roots. They're kind of wandering throughout. And, and uh, they don't have any kids. Rachel, for years, couldn't conceive, and they were desperate, and they, and they were broken, and, and Rachel is comparing herself. You, you'll find her comparing herself to others, and she says things like this, well, my sister, man, she's got all these kids. And then, you know how it is when you're trying to get pregnant, you look around and say, everybody else is getting pregnant. All they got to do is look at each other and they get pregnant. What's going on? We've tried everything. And they couldn't conceive, but finally after years of this agony, she gives birth to a son named Joseph. The guy in the Bible with the cool name. <laughs> and so then they decide that they want to have another one. And so she's conceiving a second time, but tragically the second pregnancy doesn't end well for Rachel. I'm going to show you this story. It's in Genesis chapter 35. We're going to begin reading in verse 16. It says, They journeyed from Bethel, and when they were still some distance from Ephra, Rachel went into labor. and She had a difficult labor. When she was in hard labor, the midwife said to her, Do not fear, you will have this son also. Verse 18, As her soul was departing, for she died, she called his name Ben-Oni. But his father called him Benjamin. Father, today I pray right now that you would help us to grab the importance of what your word is telling us today. Holy Spirit, would you move in our hearts this morning, I pray. Get me out of the way and let the Spirit of God work in Jesus' name. Amen. This is a very, very sad story. Rachel is beginning to give birth and she's having great difficulty in it. We're going to see this description a couple of times in this passage. What's going on here wasn't present in that day and age. They couldn't just go and have an emergency C-section. She's in big, big trouble here. The pregnancy's not going well. Her life is in imminent danger. The Bible says in verse 17 that she's in hard labor. She's having great difficulty here. 
her midwife trying to encourage her and, and basically comfort her and says, hey, you're, you're going to have you're gonna have another son. Don't worry. Don't fear. You're going to have another son. But then verse 18 happens, and it's tragic because in this one verse, we see as Rachel is breathing her last because she was dying, she names her son Ben-Oni, but his father called him Benjamin. His father called him Benjamin. Think about this. She's holding her little son in her arms, and, and she said, your name is Ben-Oni. Rachel named her son one thing, but the father called him something else. Let me say that again because it's important. Rachel named her son one thing, but the father named him something else. Names are important. I don't know if you realize that. Anytime you're naming kids, I encourage you to really look and see what the name means and to pray about it. That's what Crystal and I did. We were thinking about naming our kids. We, we started going through books to see what baby names mean because they didn't have Google back then. So Google couldn't answer anything, kids. You had to go to books. Um, um, and so we started looking through names, and, and uh, we started praying about it, and we decided on a name for our son when he was born. It was going to be Cameron. And uh, we were thinking, oh, that just feels right. And it just felt like God was speaking to our heart. And you're going to think, man, there's going to be this awesome spiritual meaning behind the name Cameron. The name Cameron means crooked nose. But God confirmed that in the fact that when Cameron was born, his nose was crooked. And so we were like, God, we got that one right. <laughs> then it came to be Caitlin's turn, and so we did the same for her. And, but Caitlin's name means pure. <clears throat> and can I just tell you, as I continue to pray for her life, I see God's calling on both my kids I see God's calling on their life, and I see it on her as well. And I, I pray that that name, Caitlin, that name that means purity, will continue to be her legacy for the rest of her days and outlive her. And to be honest, names that are coming out of this generation are <laughs> very creative. Very creative. There are some names that uh, Joe and Crystal are no longer part of our name calling anymore. Those are boring names. We don't use those names anymore. Those are boring. Those are outdated. So, so here's some names of, that some folks have come up with over the years. Uh, current boys' names are Arrow. Arrow. With his brother named Bo. And Arrow. I'm kidding. Here, here's the other ones. Bobo. Bobo, I hope he's a tough kid, right? Bobo, hey, what's your name, Bobo? <laughs> Miggy, Miggy, sounds like he should be on some 70s TV show, right? Here's the other one, Blade, Blade, he sounds like he should come out with tattoos, right? Blade. <laughs> I hope you don't have just a little fun. There's some current girls' names, too, that are kind of fruity. Fruity. Really? Do you love your daughter at all? As the teacher's going through the list of names, fruity? Is there a fruity here? 
The next one is this, Messiah, girl's name. No pressure there, right? We got a girl named Messiah, right? Woo! Here's the fun one, though. If you look at this last name up here, you would think that if you're, if you're looking to, to pronounce it, it would be La'ah, La'ah, or maybe La'la, or something like that. Do you know how that's pronounced? Ladasha. Really? Ladasha. Creative. Names matter. Back to our text. Verse 18. Sorry. As Rachel breathes her last, she's dying. She names her son Ben-Oni, but her father names him Benjamin. That's significant. Because you see, Ben-Oni means this. Ben means son, but Oni means sorrow. So she names her son, son of my sorrow. Which in the moment is absolutely and completely understandable. Because of what she's going through. Think about it for just a minute. The sorrow that she must be feeling knowing that she's never going to be able to get to feed her son. She's never going to be able to tuck him in at night. She's never going to be able to watch her son grow up. And in that moment, she names him what is very true for her, and that is the son of my sorrow. Can you imagine she's holding on to her son while she's taking her last breath, and she knows that she's dying, and she breathes her last, and she says, this is Ben-Oni, he is the son of my sorrow. And if you think about it, just for a moment, in that moment, in that context, how many of you know Rachel wasn't the only one grieving? Do you know who else was grieving? Mr. I worked 14 years for my wife. The one that I really love, the one that I really care about. This is my best friend. And she's dying right in front of me as she's birthing this child. And he's hurting like crazy. But when the wife wanted that, that he treasured wanted to name their son, son of my sorrow, she, he, he stepped back and he says, no, 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 no. What may be true in this moment won't be true forever. Catch that. What's true in this moment will not be true forever. The father looks at what is that and he decides to name him something different. Can I just tell you, if you don't like the label that you've been placed with, if you don't like the things that have happened, name it something different. Let the father in heaven take what the enemy calls you and name it something different. She said, this is the son of my sorrow. But he says, no, I'm not going to call him that. I'm going to call him something else. And it's interesting is that Jacob actually has some experience here in this renaming process. A few chapters earlier, uh, he is having this time of wrestling with God, and, and he endures the night. And at the end of the night, he says this. He grabs a hold of God. He says, listen, bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me. I've endured this night. You need to bless me. And so the, angel, the, the Lord says this. Your name was Jacob. His name meant deceiver. And that was his identity. It was more than just a name to Jacob. It was his identity. Grab that. 
Because he deceived his brother out of his birthright. He was living his life as a deceiver over the time of, of, of even in other instances of his life. He was a, a deceiver by name. And, and God pauses this moment. He says, your name meant deceiver. Your name was Jacob. But it no longer is that. Your name is Israel. And instead of being called Jacob the deceiver, your name will be Israel, which means my God prevails. And Jacob looks around and he decides, you know, while we're renaming things, I'm going to rename this place and I'm going to call this place Peniel, which means the face of God. And he says, I saw the face of God and yet I lived. And if you look throughout Scripture, there are many different instances where people have one name, one identity, one label, and it was changed to another. They have one name. But, they wanted, but God came along and He redefined them as something else. Can I tell you my life, before I met Christ, I was known as a hothead. I know you find that hard to believe because I don't yell hardly at all. But I was a hothead. That's, that was my identity. People knew that, especially when it came to playing sports. Man, I was intense. And I, I'm not proud of that, but that's just that's who I was known as. And, and then as I gave my life to Christ, that hothead label still followed me. And to be honest, I still struggle with it. And I think some people would just think, well, that's just the old person. And I struggled with that. And from time to time, I would lose my cool. But I needed to understand this principle. I don't get to choose what comes into my life, but I get to choose what I call it. I don't want, this is how I am in the moment. But God's got something for me down the road that's different. And I need to change who I am and my identity. I needed to rename in my identity in Christ. There's an evangelist that he, he talks about this story. He grew up and his nickname was this $20 baby. $20 baby. Used to call him $20. I don't know why they called him $20? Because that's how much it cost to sleep with his mom. $20. He was put up for adoption. He was adopted by a teacher who loved him and raised him as her own. And he tells the story of how he needed to redefine what other people were saying about him. He needed to redefine that kind of mentality and label and get to the place where he understood who Christ had defined him as. Rachel said, this is the son of my sorrow. But he says, no, I'm going to call you Benjamin. Benjamin means this, son of my right hand. Son of my right hand. If you know anything about the Old Testament and history and names, you know that the right hand was a place of blessing. It was a place of blessing. What the enemy meant for harm, that he would be the son of sorrow. God says, no, I'm going to turn and find good. What others would call a curse in your life, God says, no, I'm going to call it into a blessing. I want you to get this. You don't choose what comes into your life. You get to choose what you call it. Rachel says, this is the son of my sorrows because in the moment right now, I am extremely sorrowful and I can't think beyond today. But can I tell you the truth of the moment is it doesn't just last for now. There's a time that's coming that's going to be better. And Jacob says, whoa, 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 whoa. He's not going to live in this moment for the rest of his life. He's going to have a new identity that means he is not the son of my sorrow. He is the son of my blessing." 
And maybe you're here today and you've embraced the label that someone else has put on you. Something that is, that is weighting you down and keeping you from doing what God's called you to do. Well, I don't know what that is, but maybe that's doing it. I challenge you to call it something different. I want you to remember that God's power is bigger than your past. What may be true about you now doesn't have to be true about you later. Call it something else. When it's not a liability, let it be an asset. It's not a title that I'm thinking about. I'm going to be true to what God has for me now, but I'm also going to be moving to what he wants for me later. The, the label thing is not going to be ownership of me for the moment. I'm going to trust God. I'm not going to be the son of sorrow, but I'm going to be a blessing. Maybe you're here today and what you've been called is something different than a blessing. Maybe you've been called insecure. Maybe that's been your identity for so, far too long. But Christ says this, no, I'm confident in Christ. And I can do anything that I need to do through Christ who gives me strength. Wow, oh, man, you're just lazy. No, I'm not. I want to be transformed by Him. I want to be motivated to fulfill His divine call in my life. Ah, oh, man, I'm just miserable. You don't even know who I am. I'm always falling short. And I tell you, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And God can take bad situations. He can take your sin and turn it around. You may say, well, man, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm embracing the fact that I'm a cheater. I'm undependable. I'm a loser. I'm a failure. No, you're not. You're forgiven. You're transformed. You've been made new. You've been healed by the grace of Jesus. You're loved. You're an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. You are a blessing. You've got to name it something different. You might be here right now and as Pastor Dustin mentioned earlier, you're going through a tough season. It's been a really bad season for you. And those happen from time to time. One thing I'm trying to learn in my tough seasons is this, that I'm, I want to be conformed. Even in the toughness, I want to have the ability to persevere and be conformed into the image of Christ. I don't want this, def this season to define me. I don't want it to be the label that I wear. When it looks like I'm being hurt, I want to be transformed from the inside. That my spiritual roots are actually growing deeper. And the fact that it may look winter on the outside, but I'm just telling you right now, spring is coming. You may sit here today and you may say, man, I'm totally dreading this Christmas season. I feel so hurt. I feel so alone. Can I just encourage you with this? Yeah, those seasons happen. But I encourage you to draw close to Christ. Let Him become your strength. It's so easy for me to say, but if you'll do this, the Bible says when you draw near to Him, He draws near to you. Let Him be your identity. May, let Him be your comfort. Let Him be the presence of God that floods your heart and soul. Maybe you're here today and you say, man, you don't know what I've done. I'm just a failure. I shouldn't even be in here today. And that might be true, but let me tell you something. All of us are failures. At some point or another. Man, I, I, and, and all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says that. We've all messed up from time to time. But the thing is, is once I re-identify my life in Christ, and once I accept Christ into my life, my perspective has changed, and I'm a little different. That doesn't mean that I'm perfect, but what it does mean is, hey, listen, I'm going to take this, this, uh, this circumstance, and I'm going to grow from it. I'm going to learn from it. I'm going to apply it so that I don't do it again. 
Because I don't want to hurt Christ again. You don't get to choose what happens to you. You get to choose what you call it. Perspective does matter. And the reality is today, I hope you understand this, that you have an enemy that outright hates you. He hates you. He hates your guts. He hates everything about you. You know why? If you look back at the creation story, how were we created? In the image of God. So when the devil looks at you, who does he see? The image of God. When he looks at you and understands that the grace and forgiveness in relationship to, with the, the Heavenly Father is presented to you absolutely free, he hates your guts. And his mission is to steal, to kill, and to destroy everything that comes from the heart of God. Anything that matters to God, that's what he wants to do. Is he wants to steal, kill, and destroy it. And can I tell you today, you matter to God. The enemy is a liar. He's the father of lies. And what he's doing is he's telling you over and over and over what you're not. You're not good enough. Man, you're pathetic. You're never going to amount to anything. You can't make a difference. After what they did, if they really knew who you were, and he goes on and on and on and on. Can I tell you, those are the ghosts of Christmas past. But we have a Savior. We serve a Savior who has Christmas present who came into this world that was born of a virgin, inheriting our sinful nature, but yet never sinned. Who loved us where we were. Who died so that we could be forgiven. Who rose from the dead so that anyone who calls on Him is a new creation in Christ. He came to save His people from their sins. The old is gone. The labels are broken. The power no longer holds you. He came to bring relationship. The Bible says that His name is Emmanuel, God with us. And as I said earlier, I'm so glad that God with us doesn't just mean from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. God with us is today. That God is with you. No matter what, no matter what lie the enemy comes up with, God is with you. You may have to look at it and you say, this looks like the son of my sorrow. And that may be true in the moment. What's true in the moment doesn't have to be true in the future. Instead of calling it sorrow, call it a blessing. Because you're Benjamin, the son of my right hand. What others call a curse, I choose to call a blessing. See, that's how good God is. He's working all things to bring good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose can't choose what comes into your life, but you can choose what you call it. If you don't like the label you've been given, I encourage you to call it something else. What's true for you today may not be true for you tomorrow. And God wants to speak into your life this morning. What label are you have? What label that's in your heart? Would you bow your heads today? Heavenly Father, Today I pray that you would bring healing in this place. That God, you would break the labels that have so many people in bondage today. I've heard it told many times to me. Man, I'll go to church when I get my life in order. That's a label. 
I've heard it said so many times, I'll come to Christ whenever I get everything situated just right. That's a label. Some of you have had labels spoken over you just like I had me. Man, you're a hothead. Man, you're, you can't sing. Man, you can't make a difference. You, there's nothing that you can do. If you knew my past, blah, 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 down the line, those are labels. They're labels. Some of you have had people speak over your life and what you've done is they've said it so much that you've internalized it. And it now has become your identity. Today, you say, you know what, Pastor? What was true for me then, I don't want it to be true for me now. I don't want it to be true moving forward. I want to accept the freedom that I have in Jesus today. I want to, today I'm going to ask you to have just a little bit of courage and maybe just admit today that you're you've connected with some outward label that's affecting your inward identity and today you want to take that to the Lord and say God help me Jesus help me to call it something else I don't want to be what the devil says I am I don't want to be what other people say I am I don't want to believe the thoughts in my head that are telling me that I'm not good enough. I don't want it to be the result of my brokenness of my past. But today, as we sang that song earlier, I want to be who you say that I am. And I'm asking Jesus that you would transform me by your grace. Maybe you're here and and you say, you know what? tired of internalizing this label. I want to be free from it. If that's you this morning, would you slip up your hand? God, help me. Yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Hands all over the room. Hallelujah. Tired of the label. I want a new identity in Christ. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask this morning, would you stand to your feet today? Here's what I want us to do this morning. I want to ask, like I said earlier, that you would have a little bit of courage on your part. We want to pray over you today. But here's what I want us to do. See, the reason, you know, you think of of Old Testament time, and they had altars in Old Testament for a reason. One of the things that they did with the altars, that's where they brought something to die. They brought stuff to the altar to to die. And the idea was, when they bring it to die, when they turn to left to leave, they left it there at the altar. And so here's what I want to challenge you to do today. Some of you that raised your hand, and maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you should have, you know you should have. This is your chance again. Here's what I want you to do. We're going to pray over you today. We're going to pray with you today. But I want to ask you to have just a little bit of courage. Just a little bit of courage. To step out and to take that label and that identity and bring it to the altar to die. Bring it to the altar today and give it to the Lord to die. And we're going to pray that God gives you a new, a new thought and a new identity in Him. And as you walk out of this room today, as you leave this place today, you're not going to be bound by the labels that you left here. And the devil's going to try to get you to take them back. Don't listen. Leave them here. I'm going to ask Pastor Dustin if he'll lead us in a song of his choosing, whatever you feel like the Holy Spirit's leading you. 
But this morning, if that's you, you raise your hand or you meant to, and you've got a label that's on you today, I want to challenge you here in the next few moments. Would you have just a little bit of courage to bring it up here to die? Pastor Dustin, would you lead us? Come as he sings. Who the sun sets free. Yes. Oh, it's free indeed. Hallelujah. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. We can have some folks just come in behind these and pray with them. In my that would be awesome. House, yes. There's a place for me. I'm a child of God. Leave it. Yes, I You've identified it. The Holy Spirit's identified it in you. Right now, just begin to say, God, take this from me. I lay this down, this identity, this label. I'm laying it down here before you today. Hallelujah. I'm a child of God. I'm laying it down here today, this label that says I'm not good enough, this label that has weighed me down. It's been like my son of sorrow label. I'm changing it today for the son of blessings. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Father, right now, I pray for a healing work. Just as we saw the Father call His Son something else today, I'm praying for a healing work today that we would see us as we lay this label down at this altar that when we get up today, that we would see us today as You see us. That what's what's true of me then, what's true of me now is not going to be true of me tomorrow and the forever in my future. That I'm a new person in Christ and today I'm laying it down right here this morning. I'm giving it to you, Lord, today. Take this negative label from me and call it something else. Take what the enemy meant for evil, God, in our lives. And by faith, God, I pray that you would turn it for good. I pray, God, that we would see ourselves as you see us. Jesus, renew our minds. Conform uh, us to your image that we can please you in every way. God, whatever the lie has been that we've been embracing, God, we call it out today and we leave it here. Hallelujah. I praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I am who you say I am. I am who you say I am. I am who you say I am. Father, I'm not who the label says I am. I'm who you say I am. I got a new identity in Christ. Hallelujah. I got a new purpose in Christ. I've got a new purpose in Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm not the same. I'm not the same. I'm not the same. Hallelujah. I'm not the same. I'm new, I'm new, I'm new, I'm new. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, this is a new start. It's a new day. I'm calling it something else. I'm going to be called something else. 
the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm going to believe something else for my life. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. As these are still praying this morning, maybe you're here as we're still praying today. And you look at your own life and you think, man, I'm a mess. Can I just say it again? We're all a mess without Jesus. Without a relationship with God, we all stray from what's right. We go into dangerous things time and time again. And the reality is we're all bent toward that sinful nature, but that's what we naturally are. But, and our sin separates us from, from God. And the enemy's going to try to convince you to do anything he can that says, well, you're not good enough. You can't do this. And can I just tell you, you'll never be good enough. But God makes you worthy. There may be something here this morning that's drawing you closer to God. That's the Holy Spirit working inside of you right now. I don't care if you've come to church your whole life. I don't care if this is your first Sunday. That's not the issue. The issue is what's the Holy Spirit speaking into your heart right now. You're not here by accident today. You're here because God wanted you here. And today just like those who came and laid this down at the, at the foot of the cross, at this altar. God's going to give you a new name and a new title. And that name is going to be the, like the song we sang, I'm a child of God. So this morning, if, if you're here, you say, you know what, Pastor, I, I need to accept Christ in my life. I can't think of a better time to do that than on a Christmas Sunday as we're honoring the Lord that came. So if you're here this morning, heads bowed, eyes closed, just for the privacy of the moment, you're here right now, and you say, Pastor, that's me. Would you remember me in this prayer? I want to accept Christ today. I want to come give my life to Christ again today. If that's you right now, would you just slip up your hand? Is there anyone here this morning? Yes, thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to ask some of today, would you, if you're here today, would you do me the great honor of just praying with me? Let's join our voices together. Heavenly Father, I turn to you today. And Jesus, I ask you to forgive me to make me new, to save me from all my sins, to fill my life with your spirit so that I can live for you. Thank you, Jesus, for this new life. 
I give you mine. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I know I, I saw the one person raise their hand. If you, can we just do, not only for that one person, but for those who came forward today, can we just give the Lord praise? Can we just thank Him? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So God, this morning I pray, help us to walk with you in your identity for us, in your victory we pray. We love you, Lord. Thank you, God, for all you've done. Thank you, Lord, for calling us son of blessing, son of my right hand, son of blessing. We praise you, God, today. In Jesus' name, amen.